I'm ready. Let's do it. Welcome, everyone, to episode 263 of the Mars Attacks podcast. I'm your host, Victor. And on this episode, we have Satira from the band Electromancy. Uh, this is just a, a real interesting story. Um, uh, you know, I want to send a shout out to Ryan from Clawhammer PR. He's the one that set this up. And he helped me a few weeks ago to talk to uh, Charlie Belmore. And afterwards, he said, hey, would you be interested in, in speaking to Satira? And I said, sure, why not? You know, you help me out with, with Charlie. Why wouldn't I want to do that? You know, that's, <laughs> I have no problem helping people out that help me and, you know, help me talk to people that I want to talk to. So it was awesome. And then he sent me, or he had previously sent me the PR information that they had put together with the uh, album and, and everything else. And then to kind of tie everything together, uh, Anirud, Anirud Bansal from uh, Metal Assault, uh, who, you know, I had on the show last year and I've had uh, Anirud, a.k.a. Uh, Andrew, on the show several times in the past. So it only made sense, you know, when, once I saw that, I'm like, sure, why wouldn't I want to help out? And uh, Satira has a really interesting story. Um, I don't want to give too much away because I want to leave it all for the interview. But uh, once I read what was going on with him and his life and what he did to create his music, I thought that it would be something great to speak to him about. And there are sometimes when I put interviews together, and it's hard, you know, you want to, at least in my case, I want to do something outside of the box. I don't want to do the same softball questions that people uh, throw at certain artists. And, you know, in this case, I wanted to empathize with them. I wanted to understand, you know, because I've gone through plenty of, you know, health issues over the years. If you've been a longtime listener, you you know about this stuff, you know, Um so I, I really wanted to find out, you know, what happened, how he came to this decision where, you know, other people would have just said, screw it. This, this is the end. I've, I've got to find something else. There, there are other people where there's tragic issues where they just can't continue with their lives. You know, so this is someone who's still, you know, fairly young, who didn't want to give up. And had all these ideas and persevered and moved forward. So, you know, he just released Electro Pagan a few months back. And I think it's it's a cool interview anyway. So I hope you guys enjoy listening to it. We also have Mr. Jeremy Weltman coming up with his patron's pick. And uh, <laughs> his patron's pick with a twist. Uh, so I hope you guys enjoy that as well. And, you know, guys, thank you for listening to this. If you're new to the show, the interview does start at about the 15 minute mark. So if you want to skip up to that, you're more than welcome to do so. If not, check out what Jeremy has to say. And, you know, I, I give you guys the 411 on Patreon and, and everything else that I have going on with the various live streams and shows and and all that other good stuff. So if you want to hold tight and find out what else I have going on, feel free to do so. And either way, if you're new, if you've been with us for a while, thank you for listening to this episode. Again, I truly mean this. Uh, if you know me from the show, you know that I don't like bullshitting people. I tell you guys exactly what I think. And I want to say thank you for choosing to listen to this episode because it means the world to me that 13 years in, there's still people that listen to this podcast. I mean, I have the biggest names. I mean, I have the biggest following, but I'm appreciative of what I do have. And although that may have been an issue in the past, you guys, the listeners, the patrons have helped me come to grips with a lot of things. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode. 
Here's Jeremy Weltman with Patrons Pick. Hello everyone, I'm back and another week has passed. It's gone really quickly. There's been some really good, great new music released this week. There is the new album from the German metalcore band Breathe Atlantis. It Breathe Atlantis, I'll get it right in a minute. They haven't actually released their album yet. I've released, I've received a promotional copy. It's coming out on March the 18th. I've heard the song Back Break the Silence. I've heard other songs off the album, songs like Earthquake, Gates of Hell. It's really good. There's lots of good music on it. Check it out when it comes out. It's coming out on March the 18th. It's the new Breathe Atlantis album. There's been some great stuff released, though, this week. There's been new music from the Tigers of Pantang. That was an EP. There is a has been a, a reissue of Dirty Dynamite by Crocus, which uh, may be familiar to... Um, certainly to, to Crocus fans from way back. There's been some really great laid-back hard rock music from a band called Leadfinger. The album's called Silver and Black. It's very cool sound. Uh, that one, I really like that myself. There is a very interesting keyboard-friendly EP from Reckless Love. I've heard a few reviews of it that have not been um, so favourable of it, but I, I really liked it. I thought it was quite different sounding. There is a very atmospheric collection of songs from Mountaineer, a band called Mountaineer. Don't really know much about them. The album was called Giving Up the Ghost, and I've been playing that quite a bit this week, so really enjoyed that one, and it was nearly patron's pick, to be fair. There was also something a little bit different. Um, the album was called Squeeze by Sasami. I think it's Sasami or Sasami. She is a female singer, and... Again, it was some really interesting music on there, which was a bit, a little bit different from the rest of the crowd. So that just really leaves me to pick this week's patrons pick. And I'm going to disappoint you slightly because I'm not going to reveal it here. No, I'm going to wait until Victor's pre-show on Fireside. It will be on tonight. I think when you hear this, it's Friday nights. It's 10 p.m. Uh, UK time, and it's on Fireside. Victor will start his show. He usually goes to a lot of the music news and speaks about a lot of stuff that he likes, and then he invites people in who are on the air. So please come and join us, have a chat with us, and I'll be joining in. And at that stage, I'll be telling you what this week's patrons pick is. So see you later. Jeremy keeping us in suspense until tonight's fireside show. <laughs> that is at uh, 5 p.m. Eastern. Yes, <laughs> 2 p.m. Pacific. And it is 10 p.m. in the UK. For those of you in Europe, Central European time, uh, it is midnight Friday going into Saturday. The fireside show is, Jeremy just explained, this is basically me just discussing the new releases some music news, and then I throw it to people that join us in Fireside to see what they want to talk about. Uh, last week, things got a little political because of, you know, what's going on, what's going on with the invasion of Ukraine. Um, I got some complaints over that, and it is what it is. Listen, we usually talk about music 99% of the time, but if there's a big world event and it's on somebody's mind, and the country that they lived in just got threatened. And that's something we're going to talk about. So if that's not something that you enjoy hearing from time to time, then this might not be the show for you. But instead of canceling what I'm doing, because I, I see this as direct cancel culture. Oh, I don't agree with you. Or I don't like you. So your show obviously sucks. Oh, just bear in mind that maybe people have other interests or people have other opinions. The same thing. Maybe somebody that I annoyed by saying certain things has a different opinion than me, and I respect that opinion. But it doesn't mean that I have to cater to absolutely everyone that listens to the show. 
So there you go. I apologize if anything that I say pisses you off, but it is what it is at this point. And, um, yeah. So anyway, the fireside show has other people I bring up on stage and I talk to them. I do also have uh, Twitch and YouTube and Facebook open. So just in case if people are commenting there as well, I can see your comments because it does go out live on those platforms. So I try to look out and see if anyone is, is saying anything there so that I can uh, mention it on the show also. And it's fun. It's just a lot of fun. We talk about music usually. Uh, also remember Trivia Tuesday. It is exclusively on Twitch. This is a quiz show where you can use your computer, your smartphone, or your tablet to click on the correct answer for any question that I throw out there. You get points based on answering correctly. You lose points if you answer incorrectly. The quicker you answer, the more points you get, the more you lose. All depends. That's on Twitch. That's Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. in the UK, 11 p.m in uh europe and uh actually i said fireside before was at midnight no it's at 11 p.m in europe uh signals from mars the live show that's fridays uh 6 p.m eastern and uh i'm brain farting here 6 p.m eastern 3 p.m pacific yeah there we go um 11 p.m in the uk and midnight friday going into saturday for the signals from mars live show and this week we have metal dan one of our patrons who will be discussing his recent experience on the monsters of rock cruise which to me is very interesting because i've been on regular cruise and i've read and heard all about these different music cruises but i wanted to speak to someone about actually being on one of them so this should be a, a ton of fun uh dan has been a guy that's followed me for a very very long time so he won on Trivia Tuesday. One of the options that I gave him was co-hosting the show with me. And I said, hey, I'd love to talk to you about this. Would you be interested in coming on? He said, yeah. So it should be a great time. Uh, I do want to send a shout out to my patrons. Uh, even though we have lost a few recently, I still want to say what's up and thank you for all of your support. So uh, let's see here. Let's go oldest to newest. Let's go with uh, Twisted Steve Hoker. Mr. Patrons pick Jeremy Weltman, our Mike Jones, Mr. Yarg Metal, Brad Dahl, YargMetal.com, The Metal Dentist, Gabriel Ruiz, from the Chris and Amanda Show, it is Chris Vaglio, we have Jose in Connecticut, we have Metal Dan, who I just mentioned, we have the Metal Politician, <laughs> slash Metal Chef, Johan, up in Sweden, we have Ed the Shred Ferguson, we have Steven Saylor, we have Anthony Mackey in Ireland, and we have my brother Art, uh, who is also on here. I want to thank all of you guys for all of your support. When I talk about Fireside, when I talk about Trivia Tuesday, a lot of these guys are the first people there, and I can't thank you enough for, for all that you guys do for me and my shows. It is awesome. So, um, Patreon. Uh, you can join for as little as two bucks a month. We're going to be doing a 1982 discussion later this month on March the 25th. So if you want to be a part of that show and have your picks featured on the show, come join us. Come join Patreon. Uh, like I said, two bucks a month. You get a lot of extra content. Uh, this week, people got uh, four different podcasts, depending on what tier they're a part of. New video content every day. Mike Jones actually posted something on Instagram where he uh, tagged me and it said something like, people that introduced me to new music are important parts of my life. So I thank him for that. And that's what that's basically all about. It's fun. It's a great group. So join us. Won't you?
Welcome, everyone, to the Friday, February 25th edition of the Signals from Mars live stream. I am joined by Satara, uh, the man behind Electromancy. How are you, sir? What's up? I'm doing great. Super stoked to be here. How are you? I'm doing well as well. It's uh, awesome to have you on. And want to say hello to uh, Jose in the chat right now. And I see that we have a few people uh, checking us out on the chat. Make sure to drop your questions in there if there's anything that you do want to discuss as the uh, interview progresses. So um, first off, um, I want to go back and ask you, what made you decide to pick up an instrument? What was the catalyst for you to get into music initially? Um, wow. I mean, the catalyst, just the love for music. I don't know. It's kind of funny for, for a large portion of my life. I actually thought I didn't really like music, uh, <laughs> until I was in about like early high school and I started coming across some metal for the first time in my life. And I realized I love music. I just really didn't like almost most of the music I had ever heard in my life up to that right. point which is kind of crazy. And then I very quickly, totally 180'd on that opinion, started mm -hmm. digging into metal, just absolutely loved it. And um, yeah, that's really what inspired me to start picking up instruments was seeing how quickly my uh, opinion on something could shift and how deeply I could fall in love with it, yeah. Okay, was there any band specifically that spoke to you and, and made you want to... Uh you know, uh, travel down this road with music? Um, I don't, it's hard to point out any one band. I mean, I do, I do have a memory, a strong memory of sitting down to listen to right where, well, okay, two strong memories come out. One is listening to uh, Gojira's The Way of All Flesh right when it came out a long okay. time ago. And just having that album, like I, I, I bought it on CD, thought it was going to be cool, put it in a CD player and was just going to like, I don't know, clean my room or something. I was in high school, like clean my room while I was doing it. And it just started going. And I just like stopped what I was doing and just sat down and just listened to it. Straight. Right. It was like, wow, this is this is amazing. And then the other one was around that same era, probably within within a couple months seeing uh, behemoth for the first time right out uh, after their album the apostasy came out and just like really just like getting blown away by, by that live performance and the energy and kind of i think those two you know behemoth more from the live performance side and gojira from just the musicianship side just like really yeah. sparked something in my heart yeah makes sense i mean they're they're a great band uh you yeah, know two bands who at the time were like big but not that big I, two bands right. who are now you know it's funny because now you know behemoth and gojira are two of the biggest name in all of modern metal but at the time like gojira actually opened for behemoth uh at like one of the shows i saw and they were just kind of like just i don't know both of them were like just sort of starting to be talked about on a yeah. wide scale but like never i didn't expect either of them to become you know the faces of metal like they are today but you know, if they inspired me such, I can see how they, they did the same to others. And here they are. Yeah, I got to see Gojira. I'm trying to think. Uh, this has to be like 2011, maybe. And they were the second band on at a festival that I was at. There was, uh, there was two reasons. Well, there was three reasons why hardly anyone was there. One, it was pouring rain. And midway through their set, it stopped raining. So then they had to, it was all muddy. So as they're playing, they're like bringing in all this hay to um, put on top of the mud. So people could actually, you know, step and be in front of the stage and whatnot. And even though all that was taking place, we knew we were watching something special. You know, we were like, Oh, you know, this is the new up and coming band that everyone's talking about. And they're originally, I mean, now I know that some of the members live in the States and whatnot. But um, they're originally from like 90 minutes away from where I was seeing the show um, in the oh, north of Spain. Awesome. So it, it's it's cool uh, because there's always this debate where uh, the part of France that they're from is in Spain is considered the Basque region 
of France. So there's like an uh, th- there's a lot of geopolitical stuff involved there and claiming mm. whether they're you know from one country or from a region or this or that. So it was cool to see them, and I've gotten to see them a few times over the years. And it's as you said, it's cool to see where they are and how they've progressed as a band as well. So, um, so, um, I was reading obviously the press release, uh, for the, the new album, um, techno pagan. And it talked about how in 2018 you were diagnosed with Lyme disease. Yeah. Um, was this something, I mean, I, I know having grown up in New Jersey, uh, having grown up with people around me that have gotten Lyme disease. I mean, I've seen different extremes where right away they found out that they had it. And as a result, you know, they were a, they had more of a milder case of it. Whereas there are other people that I know who it took months to diagnose. And as a result, you know, are still taking medicine decades later as, as a result. Um, for you, how how far into you starting to not feel well did you find out that you had Lyme disease? Yeah, unfortunately, I'm in the latter of those two categories. Okay. Uh, I had no idea I had any sort of exposure to it until I was, I started having uh, tingling, numbness, and a lot of pain in my hands. Uh, okay. Originally, it was uh, diagnosed as carpal tunnel because I would use a computer and I got to a point where I couldn't, I actually had to leave my job because I couldn't use a computer more than five minutes without shooting pain up both my arms and, and just kind of lost a lot of my hand use at that time. Uh, And then, so people thought it was carpal tunnel. I was doing some treatment for that. And then I started having the same sensations in my feet and was like, okay, this is not carpal tunnel. There's something else going on. Even from that point, it took about uh, nine months from that point until I even got a Lyme diagnosis. Um, And that was a couple years ago. And so it's still something it's, it's literally a part of my daily, daily struggle to this day. Years later, I still have, I've I've regained some of my hand use for sure, but still not a lot of it. I still, I could never consider playing guitar. I wouldn't be able to make it through a full song just because Mm -hmm. of the sort of hand use it requires. I would just be in so much pain. I wouldn't be able to feel the tips of my fingers and things like that. It affects me fatigue wise. Sometimes I'll go a couple weeks and feel pretty good. Maybe, you know, 65, 70% of what I used to be as far as like energy levels and things like that. I've learned a lot of workarounds for working on things, including my entire band. Um, it is a lot of ways to work around for my health issues. Um, and then there are other days, there are weeks, weeks at a time where I'm just knocked out. I can't do, I can do hardly anything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, at this time, were, were you writing music already when you were diagnosed? Um, Yes. Yeah. I, I was, I was writing music. I never come out with an album, but actually just a couple months previous to this diagnosis or to the, the, the symptoms, I was like, I put my foot down and I'm like, I, I love music so much. I spend so much time thinking about it. Like all this, like I'm going to make an album. And I started working on some music. I recorded and made a couple compositions that I, I didn't really send anywhere. I didn't, but I, I, I was working on it. And I, yeah, I was actively working on some music when uh, these health issues, these health issues started. Okay. And, you know, while all this is going on, like what's going through your mind? I, I mean, obviously you're seeing, you know, your hands stop working, your feet, you know, start starting to feel the same way. Are, are you thinking, you know, cause obviously I've, I've dealt with different types of health issues for a long time. You start to, you, you know, you can't help but think of certain things, you know, you can't help, but, you know, think of dark things. You can't think of going on, uh, if, you know, doctors tell you don't go on the internet, but you know, it's one of those things where you're like, I, you know, what's going on. I need to find out whether I, you know, whether it's not good for me or not. You know, I want, I want to figure something out. Absolutely. When I finally got diagnosed with Lyme disease, my doctor called me with the diagnosis and made me promise they wouldn't hang up the phone until I promised not to Google search Lyme disease <laughs> after getting off the phone because they're like, it, it, you know, we've, we, can, we can tackle this. Like, there's no sign that it's necessarily going to get any worse than it is. Just don't Google it. Like, all it will do right. is freak you out. 
Um, but previous to that, I didn't even have a diagnosis. Like I said, I was having yeah. these symptoms going through my whole body. I was feeling tingling and nerve things through the left half of my face, oftentimes at evenings. And, and it was, it was crazy. I definitely, definitely spent evenings kind of coming to terms with the fact that I might be dying was really what it was. I was, my body is systematically shutting down as far as I can tell more and more parts of my body. The nervous system seems to be totally tweaking out in some cases, you know, like nerve sensation shutting off. Like Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm going to, you know, I, I could be dying, slowly dying right now. And I'm really grateful that when I was in those states, stages like i mean it was scary and at the same time every time i was in that state i really did have this true feeling that like you know yes i would love to live more if someone gives me the option it's not even a question yes please more i would love more life but you know that's the end like i had a good run was really like the way i felt about it and which is really great it was really great to like look at my life, even as young as it was. I mean, I was 29 at the time mm-hmm. uh, to be ex- extremely young and to be like, wow, I'm really glad I used that time and, did, and had, a, had a great life and did things I'm proud of and made connections I'm happy about. And so I'm really, really grateful for that. Um, but at the same time, at the same time, it was hard. It was brutal. I definitely... Um, a couple of the songs on my album, Technopagan, I composed during that time. I actually literally composed them with my feet. I made this like mic, I like connected a bunch of copper tape to some microcontroller and taped it on the ground, and literally mm-hmm. composed MIDI data by stepping on the ground on these different pieces of copper tape. If I had mm-hmm. to use the mouse, I would literally t- grab it with my foot and move it around and try to click with my toe. And it was so mm-hmm. hard, which in some ways was helpful because it broke a pattern of perfectionism I was battling with. Cause I'm like, mm-hmm. it takes me literally three full minutes to make one single mouse click. If I'm going to click a mouse, I better be damn sure it needs to be clicked. And right. it helped me like get some stuff out. And, and so I composed a couple tracks during that time. I composed um, the spark. I composed disabled. Um, I composed the entire track disabled in one night in kind of one go where I was just like really in a, in a dark place and just was like, I need to get this out and literally sat there stomping on the ground. Um, but it was cool. I was playing music. Like I'd hear, I could hear the MIDI feedback. And even though it was, uh, you know, not a a typical music playing experience, it was, you know, it was cathartic. And a lot of people tell me you can hear that catharsis, uh, in that and kind of throughout the whole album. That's one of the great things about music is that um, there's such an emotional connection with music. That's why I think a lot of people uh, don't realize when they listen to an album, they want to compare their favorite album to something new that an artist has done. You know, and and I think the mistake is, oh, it's got to be better than my favorite album by them. No, just you can enjoy it. It doesn't have to replace your favorite, but... Yeah, it's that when you pick up a guitar, you start to play something or compose something. It's there's an emotional release involved there. So I I think a lot of people don't realize uh, how that can actually help you heal in certain ways or just feel certain emotions that maybe otherwise you you wouldn't be able to express. So I, I get what you're saying. You know, you have that kind of that. You have that, it, you have something in you and you need to release it. You need to get it out. So I get what you're saying with just having those songs come up and wanting to just get them out there, you know, put them down. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so we have uh, Rob in the chat checking in saying, that's awesome that you didn't give up. Got to keep moving forward as best as you can. Yeah, I mean, it's super real just to comment on that. Like, yeah, because the the songs themselves were a catharsis, but just the fact that I was working on this band, this robot band, I was building robots yeah. to play music. I very quickly was at least able to get something to to compose music with before the robots were done. I was still making music and it was a really important thing for myself on the time, both on an emotional right. processing side and it just on a you know, feeling like my life wasn't over. Like I, I literally had three months where I practically couldn't use my hands. 
Um, and it was extremely lonely because so many people talk digitally these days and it hurt me to write a text message. I couldn't, I couldn't send very many messages. I had about a dozen messages, whether it was text, email, everything I could send a day before I was in too much pain to do it. And so, uh, it, you know, it felt very scary and isolating. I couldn't do, I needed help making food, but I was able to make music and I was working on this band and I was seeing things come together and it really helped me feel like, you know, my life is not over. It's looking different. It's going to be a different life than I thought I was going towards, but there's still cool stuff heading. So, hell yeah. Thank you yeah. for that comment. Yeah. Um, and that, that's the other thing that I wanted to uh, obviously touch upon is that you could have gone out and still formed the band. You could have just sung and had other people back you up, but you decided to build a robot band to back you up. Um, obviously you had to have some type of knowledge. You said you worked in computers. So, I mean, I don't know if you uh, worked in some type of programming or knew anything about ro robotics before deciding to uh, venture into this. Did you know of robots before uh, doing this or, you know, how did you, A, how did you come to the conclusion of, you know what, I'm going to build a robot band and B, how are you able to, Pull it off. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I in uh, school, I studied electrical engineering and physics. So to some degree, I was at least really good at math. I wouldn't say I learned what I did uh, in school. That's one of my right. biggest complaints about the education system is to teach you how to be an academic. Uh, but I left engineering being like, I don't know how to build shit. <laughs> to be honest, I was, I was just like, I don't know what just happened. All I did was write, solve math problems on paper, but like, I don't know what to do with, with any electronics. Um, right. but, um, but what really did it is I ended up going, going from that to uh, doing some interesting jobs. I was working for this company called Hackaday, which is a media company for essentially like DIY hackers, builders, specifically on the hardware front. So mm -hmm. they, th so I got to work on a bunch of community development and a bunch of media relations with people who were like cool hobbyist hackers. And I got to hang out at hacker spaces. I really liked in San Francisco. I'd spend a lot of time at Noisebridge anarchist hacker space there. And just like hang out with people who were just like of the mentality that like you could just build cool shit for fun. And that's what you did. And so from being in that environment was really where I feel like I gained the confidence and the really the technical know-how from talking to people and seeing what other people are doing and people answering my questions to go about doing this so that when these health issues started, I literally, they, they really flared up um, immediately on the heels of a big um, hobby hacker conference that I helped produce with that company. And so I literally just spent a weekend seeing people build amazing stuff. And I was like, you know what? I could build something. You know what? Like there's, I don't need to just call it quits now. People who right. aren't part of companies who are just people hanging out in like garages and stuff like that are are building some mm -hmm. real cool stuff. Like I like I think I could maybe do that too. Uh-huh. Wow, that's cool. Um yeah. so so obviously or, or am I, correct me if I'm getting the timeline wrong, you were doing this before while you were still working so you you were gaining this knowledge and once you had to apply it uh to to build these robots is when you finally started you know diving deeper into this stuff was was there anyone helping you put the robots together and programming them definitely i had a lot of friends who were very graciously the hands of the operation you could say okay. um i was definitely like the mastermind behind all of the designs i designed all of the electronics the custom circuitry all of that and i had a lot of help especially well i mean throughout the whole thing with people um helping be my hands i had friends who had never built a single thing in their life who were willing to sit on a computer and open this like esoteric circuit design software that I had and click right. the buttons I told them to so that we can make custom design PCBs and people who I like taught a friend how to solder so that they could solder mm -hmm. things together for me since I couldn't with my hands. 
um, yeah, a lot of friends who were just willing to get their hands involved. And I had a couple of friends who were good at engineering who were helpful for doing some troubleshooting like uh, during points or I'm just like, okay, the guitar is working, but notice, even though this is unnecessary, but notice when I make it go faster than 300 BPM, it just shuts off. Like what's going on there? And like helping me, you know, we helping me figure it out and we hook it up to a bigger power support source so we can figure out what the what the problem was and things like that. So I definitely am grateful for my friends who I would say are much smarter than me, helping me fix the problems I made in my designs. Um, but I'm really grateful that I was able to, yeah, mostly design through my own knowledge through asking questions for people on forums online, watching mm -hmm. various videos of people who were doing bits and pieces of what I wanted to do and trying to learn to put it all together and was able to right. design these, these monsters on my own. <laughs> How long from the initial spark of realizing that you were gonna do this to actually getting a working model? How long did that take? Uh, from idea from like when i was first sketching to having my first working guitar was a year and a half okay and yeah. do you feel that the process has been perfected already or are you constantly tweaking trying to make you know a faster robot a you know improve the you know maybe uh, I don't know, um, have the the drumming aspect play differently. Um, you know, well, is there anything that you keep coming up with that you want to keep expanding and, and doing that you haven't so far with them? 110%. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm constantly building and iterating on them. Like I got the first guitar up and working and I was like, okay, that's cool. But like, you know, things break, things happen. I need to build a right. second guitar just in case, you know, uh, one, one of them decides to crap out and I don't have time to troubleshoot it because I'm on stage. Build a second guitar. Okay, right. I built a drum system kind of based on the guitar system. And I'm like, that's cool. And I recorded my album with that. But then I'm like, well, I want to play live shows now that COVID's coming more to an end. Um, especially at that time, it seemed to be the case. And so I've redesigned the drums to be louder. I got those working and was able to play live show with them with the louder drums. And now, you know, I want to make more guitars and sync them together so that we can have just like a wall of guitars one day. I think that would be super cool. There's some tweaks I want to make on the drums so that they can, you know, just be a little cleaner. And uh, also all sorts of other crazy, even further out there designs, maybe something that it can actually play a physical hardware synth on piano. And I've got like designs for that. And then another kind of smaller guitar that I'd love to do in case I'm traveling and can't leave my robots when I'm traveling. So I have lots of ideas, anything. What I, the, the practice I need in my life is to keep pulling the throttle back and just slow down a little. Otherwise I can, I can really just be running. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Um, from the EP to Technopagan, what do you feel is the biggest difference between the two from a technology standpoint and from a compositional standpoint? I'm guessing that, again, as things evolved, you tried more things that you couldn't do on the EP on, on Technopagan, just, just as a result that, you know, your brain was going and you were, you were, you know, able to uh, pull more things off. Absolutely. And I, I, yeah, I totally agree. I'd say the biggest jump is because the EP, it has one track that is on the debut album, The Spark. Um, okay. And so that one, that one carried through. Um, and then it has a cover of Transylvanian Hunger. And I feel like the cover of Transylvanian Hunger is, I hope, the least interesting thing I ever do in my musical career. Um, because even though it's like a classic song played by robots, which is like, mm -hmm. you know, pretty cool and interesting. It's just, that was me just saying like, okay, I have some robots together. What can I do it? Can I make it play a song? I didn't take very many creative liberties with it. I just kind of was like, you know, take the composition, put it on robots, record it, did it work? It worked, hell yeah, let's share that coolness with the world. Um, so very bare bones to the point. And you can hear even a big jump from that to the spark, even though they're on the same track and are in reverse track order, just because the, the technicality on the spark is just so much the composition is 
um, extremely technical. It's in like a super esoteric time signature. It's like 13, 16 through something like that. It's very, it's extraordinarily fast. Um, but then at the same time, the second half is counterbalanced with this sort of more like plotting, um, minimalist sort of approach. And so I, I really, I really love that. And that really leans into where I went with Technopagan and expanded on that. Um, because the spark actually, yeah, was the first one I, the first track I composed for the guitars. And I really like, I, I, I'm really, I think it's really cool that a lot of reviewers who have reviewed the album have been really impressed with the variety of sounds that we get out of the guitars and the variety of like song structures we get from a guitar still mostly just playing breakneck speeds and complex patterns, but it doesn't just sound like a, a single tone album that each of the tracks right. bring uh, uh, their own unique and different energy to it. And so I really liked getting to explore that in Technopeg and it really felt in a lot of ways, a lot of bits of Technopagan are ex they're both exploring my emotional landscape and exploring my technical landscape as, as it's evolving. You have some tracks which are more playing around with kind of uh, more simple looping melodies like uh, Soot and Sulfur and kind of exploring how to create more of like a, with a, I also have a guest vocalist on that, more of this kind of like, eh, airy sort of feel you have ones like like disabled which is just exploring fast driving complicated no even need to like repeat riffs or melodies it's just like a forward driving barrel you have uh, the last track i composed for the album is the track glass hole which mm -hmm. has a very different feel from the rest of them and that one was really cool and it contains a lot of elements that i'm really thinking about when i think about uh what else I want to explore with the album because that entire track, it's a eight, eight and a half minute long track. It's the longest one on the album. And the entire track is just composed of, there's I think four simple melodies that uh, each string is capable of playing. So each, I literally composed not rather than for the guitar, I composed per each string, what melody each string on the guitar is playing. And I just, it, the whole song is an exploration of how these different strings playing these different melodies and different synchronicities um, can actually turn into an extremely emotive landscape. I mean, that track, a lot of people say is like extraordinarily fun, extraordinarily driving. It's eight and a half minutes, no vocals. It's just eight mm -hmm. and a half minutes instrumental. And many people say they think it's the most fun and interesting on the album. Um, and and so I really liked getting to explore those technical uh, uh, those technicalities uh, and capabilities right. of the robots. How you I, you can do things that a normal guitarist can never do. You can literally have different strings on the guitar playing different time signatures from each other. Mm. Uh, I mean, right. imagine telling your guitarist to do that right. Right. And, and to do it at. 180 bpm like they're 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 not going to be stoked with you <laughs> to say the least uh yeah and so i really loved enjoying that and that those are a lot of the big leaps of pushing pushing both the um the technical but also the emotional capabilities of the instrumentation just i really feel like i push that in all directions on technopagan Right. And the bass is actually a kind of a unique concept as well, which we haven't touched upon yet. Um, yeah. So the bass is the, the bass notes, the bass register throughout the album is actually a horn that I made out of PVC pipe. So I took a big PVC pipe. It's kind of similar to a didgeridoo mm -hmm. um, and literally made that so it requires no hands to play it's just with my mouth and it create makes this fat rhythmic deep droning kind of yeah. bass that is the like safe foundation in an otherwise chaotic <laughs> space yeah absolutely it actually sounds it it's funny because i'm reading the press release i'm like all right let's see how this all ties together but it all makes sense when it's all 
you know, going at the same time uh, through throughout the song. And uh, the other thing that's really impressive to me is seeing the video when you see, um, you know, how the guitar is being played, how the drums are being played. Um, it's it's really cool seeing how all the mechanisms and everything are working because by just reading it alone, I don't think you get the idea of what you've actually, you know, put together and accomplished. It looks really cool. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's a very visual project, which has been fun. I feel like a lot of bands, you know, are maybe some cool looking guys. Um, but when you're trying to <laughs> make a video or capture it, you have to reach belong. Like whenever I'm creating video content or pictures, it's just the, and the question is just like, how do I take the most accurate pictures I can of what's going on? Because it's just so cool in its rawness. Um, and actually, it's it's interesting. Since you said the videos, I'm just thinking your question about were there any techno technological iterations as you go? Watch yeah. the video for the spark and look at the drums yeah. and then look at the drums in the video for uh, um, You Cannot Live Forever. And yeah. you'll see the old drum mechanics versus the new drum mechanics. And you can see, you can just see how much louder they clearly are, even if the volume is all mastered to be the yeah, same yeah. there. It, it's a mighty machine, the, the way the drums are played now. Yeah, that's cool. Um, you're recording this at home, I'm assuming, or are you going to a studio to record your music? Home recording, yeah. Okay. Um, how did you pair up with uh, Andrew from Metal Assault to release this, to release uh, Technopagan? Yeah. Um, networking, chatting around. I spent all of this time making robots and doing this cool thing. And finally I had an album together and was like, oh, wait, I should maybe like, I, I want to do this right. I mean, at that point I'd been working on the project for two and a half years and I'm like, I have an album. I want to do this right. I really care about metal. Like, mm -hmm. you know, it is something I do for catharsis and for fun. And I really love the the culture of metal, the world of metal, the the whole metal scene. I want to be, I don't need to be the faint, most famous band ever. That's not my goal. I'm not trying to be the next right. Gojir or Behemoth. Honestly, that'd be, that sounds exhausting. <laughs> um, I mean, cool. You know, if it happens, I probably would still say yes, but like, but that's not, that's not my goal. But I, to me, I'm just like, really want to, I want to participate in it. I want to participate in what I feel is like the conversation of, of metal, what it mm -hmm. is, what it can be being a part of it, talking to cool people like you. Um, that's what I'm really stoked about. And so I, in wanting to get involved with that, I wanted to get involved with the label. I wanted to do that. I wasn't tied to it. Um, and so I was messaging labels and looking for a lot of labels. And one thing that was really surprising was how many labels turned me down and wouldn't even really listen to my music just on the basis of me having uh, robot bandmates, which I thought was wild. In a lot of ways, I thought that would have people would have thought that was cool. And beyond it being cool, it, it honestly felt really like shitty in a way that uh, kind yeah. of felt embarrassing to them in a lot of ways. Cause it's one thing to be like, okay, we listen to your music. Like we don't think it's a thing or they could be like, your music's cool, but you're a small band and we like working with established bands. Like, cool. That's respectful. But for people to just be like, ah, we don't like the robot gimmick. It's it, it, it really, I don't think a lot of people realized how um, like straight up ableist that was. It's like, I didn't do this because I wanted to have a gimmick band and have a bunch of people, right. you know, like you can hear when you listen to the music, you can hear how much the music is a focus of me. I didn't build a bunch of robots and then play shitty music and think the robots will carry me. I, I came here for the music and I built this you know, these robots in a lot of ways are an assistive technology. I mean, I like physically couldn't do a lot of what what I did without these robots. And so it felt really, I don't know, it just felt like uh, insulting and stupid, the number of people who were who were coming back that way. And um, and but one thing I really respect about Andrew and the whole Metal Assault record label is how much they're interested in not just like playing it safe and getting a band that sounds like another big band because they're like, right. Oh, people like this big band. Mm -hmm. 
you know, this safe bet. They're doing nothing interesting. They're doing nothing daring, you know, easy sign. We'll throw some ads at it and we'll make some bucks. Like, which a lot of, you know, which to me is unfortunately, I guess it's good for them because they're paying bills. But to me, unfortunately, a lot of labels are doing that because I, I, I like the more explorative edge. And so uh, Andrew saw what we were doing and was just immediately like, I'm interested. It was really yeah. cool. It wasn't like a, a back and forth. It wasn't like he saw, he's like, this is awesome. This is cool. I'm interested. Like, let's talk. Um, and so while there was some interest in some other labels, I just loved Andrew's and Metal Assault Records gung-ho-ness. I loved also their diversity as well. Um, I love that, like, I love that Andrew himself is, um, uh, is like, uh, is Indian. I like that uh, at the time we were working with um, a black woman publicist. I just like really like how, like on, yeah, on, um, I think it was like, we had a phone call once during, um, like pride month festivities and just straight up he was like oh happy pride because you know it was like i'm queer and was and uh gender fluid and was just like i really love that he was just like in, yeah in, in like really inclusive was just like you're cool you make cool music your sound is awesome robots are sick like you know come be part of the team come be part of the family be yourself while you're being with us and i thought that was rad too yeah, he's he's cool. I've known him for for years and uh uh I had him last on I think about a year ago or so and I hadn't spoken to him in several years. It's always awesome to uh to have him on. And it's cool that like you're saying the label that he's building no two bands sound alike. And as you're describing that, you know, there's so many labels out there that you get at least in my case I get promos from you're like uh yeah okay this sounds like everything else on the radio right now or yeah. you know I have uh I have a, a Patreon page and I post videos uh daily for people to check out and you know because I like spreading the love of you know just music in general and people will say it right away you know I'll have my own opinion but people will say yeah this sounds like everything else that's on the radio right now it doesn't really excite me that type of a deal so I get I get what you're saying and it's it's amazing that in a um, in a genre of music where I've seen supposedly uh, bands that are so proficient with their instruments that they had to be completely recorded on stage, um, that the <laughs> robots would be an issue when there are a lot of people faking a lot of playing out there. So um, that that amazes me. <laughs> yeah, it really amazed me too. But you know, at the same time. Uh, there's a lot of people who are like robots playing metal. That's the most metal thing I ever heard. So. <laughs> well, the first thing that came to mind was a few years back. I remember, I don't know if it was the monsters of rock cruise or if it was the, you know, it was one of these metal cruises and they had somebody had developed some robots that were playing. I think it was ACE of spades by motorhead and mm -hmm. stuff like that. They were, you know, it looked like your traditional robot, playing an instrument. So the first thing that I thought of was like, Oh, wow, cool. You know? Um, so, so this is, this is what the album was like, okay, so I'll check it out. And it wasn't what I expected. And, um, you know, um, I, th I thought it was cool that it was something completely different. And, you know, when, when I read through the press release, what you had gone through and everything, I was like, you know what, this is something that, you know, I think people should know about. And you're, your publicist uh, from Clawhammer was threw it out there, said, "Hey, do you want to interview him?" And i I looked at the um, I looked at the information. I'm like, "Sure, why not?" You know, it just again, <laughs> I just want to, I just want people to find out, you know, what what you're doing. And I thought it was just such a unique thing. So, thanks. Um, I super appreciate that. That makes me yeah. stoked. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm completely. You know, I'm happy to to be able to uh you know have you on and help you out um when it comes to buying techno pagan where should people go to ensure that you get the most amount of money out of the sale i always ask people this because you know sometimes mm. it's bandcamp sometimes it's their own website sometimes it's the label site uh, where do you want people to go to pick the album up 
Yeah, that's a great question. That's a really great question. I mean, if you are just trying to straight up just buy the album, all you want is the music, I would say Bandcamp is the way to go. Um, you know, that's great. Uh, and yeah, so Bandcamp's the way to go if you just want to buy digital download of the music, maybe want to buy the CD, that's great. If you're interested in merch, more the merch side, because we do have some pretty cool merch. We got a couple t-shirts. I even have some really sick pins that I made out of circuit boards. Like literally, okay. there's there's a small one which looks like a die cut pin, but it's actually made out of circuit board material. Um, and then there's a second one, which is super cool. It shows one of the mannequins in this demonic form. And it actually has a, a circuit built in, an LED light that gives it an underglow and makes mm -hmm. the face of the mannequin glow, just like the faces of the mannequins glow on the stage. And it's right. like a bigger, fatter pin. And um, yeah, and that one's like, literally, it's a circuit board pin. It's like, it's pretty <laughs> sick. Um, and like when we do live shows, everyone, they're like literally on the table glowing. And you just see people like kind of casually glancing at the merch and then they see those pins and they like walk up, they're like, what the hell is this like right. awesome, crazy glowing circuit thing? So if you're like more interested in merch, um, you can get it through the Bandcamp, and it's not a bad place. Um, we also have a website, uh, electromancy.band, which is great. And then I also have a, a Patreon, which I just kind of make made to uh, basically just make cool merch and have cool people to give cool merch to. It's like it's really the way to go. So if you join the Patreon, I, you like depending on your level, you just get like a, a T-shirt or some pins or like all this stuff for free. And then I've also, I'm also working on more covers on that one as well. So that's like a cool one. If you want like, if you want cool merch, if you wanna like eh, get involved with me, like making cool, more cool, weird t-shirts and stuff and get that, it's just a, a more way to engage. And I also just did a, um, just released the unmastered version of a cover of um, Meshuggah's Bleed. Uh, played okay. by the robots. Oh, wow. um, no, it's cool. I took a different interpretation um, where I kind of approached it as like, what if Bleed was actually a black metal song instead of a death metal song? Right. And so, yeah, I recorded a black metal version of Bleed um, played by the robots. Um, and And that also speaks to the technicality of it. Like everyone knows at least like i feel like the song bleed is one of the more more iconic songs in all of metal because of how crazy that kick pedal is mm -hmm. and the um kick drum on uh my robot guitars can play that entire kick line on a single piston <laughs> like literally i have some footage that i recorded that i'm going to be releasing and it's almost hard to see because it's moving so fast that right. like uh, literally the video camera has trouble picking it up but uh anyway that was like five tangents deep um Bandcamp, <laughs> patreon depending on what you're looking at both of those are awesome. Both of them are deeply appreciated. I'm just stoked people are excited about this. Cool. And where should they go on social media to keep up with you? I know that you um, followed me on Facebook and on Instagram, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah. yeah, I shared it to the story and everything. Um, I've been promoting it. Yeah, at Robot Metal Band. Okay, cool. I yeah. appreciate your time. I... Can't wait to see what you uh, do next moving forward. I'm assuming that you're like, I mean, based on what we're talking about, the gears are always working in your head. So I'm sure yeah. you've outside of the, you know, the merch that you're talking about and the covers and everything else, I'm sure that you're also looking towards doing something beyond techno pagan. So it'll be interesting to see where everything goes from here. I'm so curious as well, because I have 10,000 ideas Right. And I can't make an album with 10,000 ideas in it. And sure. I'm so excited to see where, the, where, where whoa, which one solidify and where, where I end up taking myself. So thanks. I'm glad you're as stoked as I am. Yeah, absolutely. If you ever want to come back on to uh, promote anything else, just uh, reach out. Let me know. I'd be more than happy to have you back on. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so stoked to be here. So much fun talking to you. And thank you so much, all the people and the watchers and comments. I'm just so stoked. Thanks so much for being interested. It seriously just makes my fucking day. It really does. Awesome. Thanks again for your time. <laughs> all right. Awesome. That was uh, Satira from... Uh, electromancy just uh, an awesome concept um 
unbelievable. You, you guys have to check the video out. Just seeing these robots work is is just amazing, and his story is just am- amazing as well. Uh, just this is you know, with everything that he's saying, you just got to persevere and move forward in life. You know, uh, that's what's taking place here, and it just goes to show you that you know you can't let anything or anyone stop you. So. Um, this is awesome. Uh, Brad, I see that you jumped on in the chat uh, while he is saving the world and walking people off ledges there in Utah. Uh, Rob, great to see you in the chat again after all these weeks. And um, Jose as well. Um, guys, it's been great. I actually did the pre-show with uh, Johan and Brad over on Fireside, and uh, we got a little political with things because obviously uh, what's going on in the world and what's relatively close, it's a lot closer to Johan than it is to me, uh, but still a lot of scary shit going on right now. Um, I will actually be on Despo Geek on their uh, live stream, which is a little bit more than an hour from now. I was able to uh, time it perfectly this time so that I can join them. Their show starts at 2 a.m. my time, <laughs> so it should be fun to um, uh, to catch up with them. It's always fun to to chat with Chris and Aaron, and they supposedly have some surprises involved for me. So uh, anyway, I do want to thank everyone who is watching this live or catching the replay. Um, I always say this to you guys, and I mean it from the bottom of my heart. Uh, There's a million things you guys could be doing, but you choose to spend time with me, uh, whether it's live, whether it's the replay. And I appreciate it more than you guys will ever know. Um, Thanks to all my uh, patrons that are out there uh, that are the diehards that follow me uh, every week from the live show tonight to the pre-show that I do on Fireside to the trivia show that I do on Tuesdays on Twitch. it is always great to see you guys. And uh, we did the rush show last week was a lot of fun. Was hoping for more people to turn up, but it is what it is. Um, second folks. Oh, my camera died. What the hell is that? Oh shit. <laughs> Something to do with not having the keyboard or having the English keyboard instead of the Spanish keyboard. Let me see if I can fix this. What is going on here? Okay. (laughs) That's a first. I switched to... um, to a camera that doesn't exist. So um, anyway, yeah, so I I do want to uh, thank you guys for uh, the trivia show. It's been fun these last few weeks. If you guys haven't checked it out, uh, almost every week it comes down to the last question. I throw in some, uh, these last few weeks, some easy questions, some harder questions. Uh, When I do band-specific shows, they're longer. They are 20 questions as opposed to the standard 10 questions, uh, which which I usually do and is is usually pretty fast. I I start the show. I mean, it's at... um, uh, let me see. I'm, I'm I'm trying to think on the fly here. It's it's 11 p.m. in the UK. No, it's 10 p.m. in the UK. <laughs> I've all the shows gone at different times, so I'm I'm brain farting here. Anyway, um, so yeah, that's 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific, and it's 10 p.m. in the UK. And I usually wait till about 15 past the hour when more people join the show, and then uh, from there I start the the trivia question up. If you happen to win, there's three different prizes that I've been offering, which are um, a $5 discount to the merch store, free shipping, or um, 
co-host the show with me. Metal Dan won a few weeks ago, and he's going to be on here talking about the Monsters of Rock cruise uh, next week. So that should be a lot of fun. And uh, we may talk about pinball machines as well, because <laughs> I know he owns one, and that's one of these things that I would love to be able to own. Was I listened to the uh, Entourage podcast, which is called Victory the Podcast, and uh, Kevin Dillon, brother of Matt Dillon, was talking about how um, I'm about a year behind the show catching up, but talking about how he sold off 12 pinball machines and they're not cheap. So they more or less retain their value. But uh, yeah, as Brad is saying, we need more people on trivia Tuesday. So just so you guys know, someone asked me, I was, uh, I was actually talking to uh, Chris from decibel geek and said, well, since you missed it, you want me to read off some of these questions to you, the rush questions? And he goes, sure. So I said, okay, first question is um, uh, name, uh, or no, which one of these is the name, the correct name for the self-titled debut by Rush? And he's paused for a second. He's like, is this a trick question? I'm like, I don't know, is it? <laughs> and uh, he says, he says, well, the answer is obviously Rush. I go, I know, but you know, I got to throw some easy questions in there. So there you go. In any event, thank you guys once again for joining me. And uh, that will be it for this show. Be back next week with Metal Dan. And we will have our 1982 discussion on March 25th. And I'll be filling in the rest of the weeks with uh, other guests. So thank you once again. And we will see you next time right here on the Signals from Mars live stream, brought to you by the Mars Attacks podcast and VMRIT. See ya. Thank you for listening to the Mars Attacks podcast. This concludes our show. 